All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today I am joined by the Falcoholics, Kevin Knight, and he's going to be talking with us about the prime position that the Falcons are in at the top of this year's draft, as well as exploring the possibility for this team to trade back and recoup big gains. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So guys, you know me, Marin Freeman, been governor of Falcons for many years, formerly at Falcfans.com, RIP, still going strong on Twitter at Falcfans, and of course, the host of this preeminent Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. And today's episode of Lockdown Falcons is brought to you by rockauto.com, where you can find amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Lockdown sent you. So today's episode features our guest, Kevin Knight of the Falcoholic, two Falcoholic guests in a row. And um, we're going to be talking with Kevin about the potential for the Falcons to trade back in this year's draft. We'll talk about whether the Falcons are sitting in a prime spot, regardless of what they decide to do, whether it's staying at four, trading back, taking a quarterback, taking a non-quarterback, whether or not they can do no wrong when it comes uh, to this year's draft. We'll also talk a little bit more about the Falcons taking Penny Sewell, should they stay put at four and not take a quarterback. And Kevin will lay out the case why he thinks that move potentially makes sense. And then we'll wrap up today's episode and get Kevin's thoughts on whether or not this team is going to be building towards the future, rebuilding, you know, establishing, you know, their picks for today to get this team competitive sooner rather than later and, and going all in to, to build around Matt Ryan and company in these final years. Similar to the question we asked yesterday to Adnan Ikic, our guest yesterday. Uh, so we'll get Kevin's thoughts and see if he, he has a differing opinion on that. And without further ado, let's uh, jump into our conversation that I had with Kevin Knight of the Falcoholic. All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today I'm joined by another illustrious guest, none other than Kevin Knight of the Falcoholic. You hear him weekly on the Falcoholic Live on Wednesdays, as well as other places. Kevin, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Aaron. Appreciate you having me on. It's been a minute, so happy to to be back on here. Yeah, it's 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 Falcoholic Week here on Lockdown Falcons. I had Adnan <laughs> on yesterday. I'm not going to get Dave on this week, but I'll get him on next week. So, uh, you know, we'll 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 go through the entire stable. Uh, Got to get <laughs> Gina and Matt and Eric. Well, we'll we'll see about Eric, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We had the one like where you came on Falcoholic Live. That might be the, the last time you guys were on a pod together. So, yeah, right. so um, I, I want to talk with Kevin. We'll touch upon a little bit of the topics we talked about yesterday with Adnan. Get see if it where Kevin, if at all, differs on some of those opinions. But sort of the first question I, I want to get get to you and, and see how you feel about this and. I kind of feel like the Falcons are in a prime spot sitting at four. I think really knowing this team, I can't ever say they can do no wrong, but I think they they're as close to being in a position where they can do no wrong sitting here because either they can take the quarterback and and potentially hit on a franchise quarterback. Obviously there's a potential to miss, but that's true of all players. So Mm -hmm. you can't necessarily 
uh, focus on one position over another. They can stay at four and, and get a potential generational tight end like Kyle Pitts, a potential generational offensive tackle like Penny Sewell, or they could potentially trade back and get a, a buttload of future picks that they can use to invest in rebuilding this roster. Um, do you feel like they're sitting good, sitting pretty, w- regardless of which path they go down? Or do you feel like there's a, a clear right and wrong with what the Falcons can do at the top of this year's draft? Yeah, I, I would agree with you that they're in a prime position, and it got even more prime the second the 49ers traded up to three because now the draft starts at four. Um, and I don't recall the last time the Falcons, if ever, have been in that position where they are the team that's going to really control the the basically beginning of the draft. Um, because if the Falcons want a quarterback at four, they're going to be able to get one. Um, and I think that's a, a wise plan if the guy that they want is there. If they don't want a quarterback at four, I think they – have done a good enough job of making people think that they do, um, or at least they're willing to take Kyle Pitts, that they should be demanding a pretty ridiculous compensation for four. Um, And that's the only thing that gives me pause about taking a quarterback at four is that, you know, depending on how ridiculous the offer is, it might be like you can't turn it down. But um, I also think taking Pitts at four is reasonable. Um, I would say that's probably like my third favorite option, and it doesn't really have anything to do with Pitts. More has to do with, you know, if you're getting three firsts for someone to, to trade up, you know, Pitts is great, but can he be better than three first-round picks? And That probably depends on how well the Falcons draft, but, um, you know, it, it's something to consider. But, yeah, to me, I think taking a quarterback at four is the most likely option. Um, initially when they restructured Ryan, I was like, oh, well, that means they're not taking a quarterback. But the more I looked at the restructure, um, they're not paying Ryan 48 million next year. They, they will not do that. So that means they're either going to cut trade, you know, whatever, or they're going to extend him probably with void years. Um, and you know, that, that means the door is technically open for either of those options, but it, it doesn't take quarterback off the table as much as I initially maybe kind of jumped to, to believe. So I think if the quarterback they want is there at four, and we're, we're not sure if it's Justin Fields or Trey Lance, um, you know, I guess the buzz has probably been a little bit more around Trey Lance for the Falcons, but, um, you know, I would not be shocked at all if it's Justin Fields and they're just trying to hide it really well. Um, you know, I think if that guy's there, they, they take him at four without really questioning it. But if it, I don't think they're just going to take any quarterback there. I think it would have to be the one that they want. And maybe they do like Lance and Fields, or maybe it's just one, but if the guy they want is there, I'd be shocked if they, they don't just grab him. Maybe they like Mac Jones. Who knows? Um, <laughs> that would be the one thing that would unite the fan base in, in anger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, it, that would be an interesting choice uh, if, if the Falcons went there and certainly would require a lot of think pieces post draft on various podcasts and uh, written <laughs> content. So um, we will talk a little bit more about the potential for the Falcons to trade back here with Kevin Knight of the Falcoholic coming up today on Lockdown Falcons. But before we get there, guys, you know, we're talking about the Falcons being in a prime spot at the top of this draft, but you know what the prime spot to get your daily coverage on your favorite major league baseball team is. Of course, I'm talking about the lockdown podcast network that has a daily podcast for whoever is your favorite MLB team, including the Atlanta Braves. Check out the Locked On Braves podcast hosted by Dylan Short on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
So time and time again, I've told you guys over the last several weeks about a recent incident in which I had to get some work done on my car and I wound up paying a lot more money than I needed to. And all I had to do to save cash is to go to rockauto.com. They have everything from engine parts, motor oil, new floor mats, and even the brake parts and tail lamps that I needed to get done on my car several weeks ago. And I couldn't gotten all those things in a few easy clicks delivered directly to my door. And you can too, because the rockauto.com catalog is unique. It's easy to navigate. You can see all the parts available for your vehicle quickly and choose by brand specification, the price that you prefer. And those prices at rockauto.com, I can confirm are always reliably low. The same for professionals and do it yourself first. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Just go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in a how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. So guys, you know, I have you covered with all things Falcons, but you probably wonder who's going to cover me for the rest of sports on a daily podcast. And of course, no worry, no more as host Peter Bukowski has you covered with the locked on today podcast. It's all the sports news that you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe today to the locked on podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts and check out yesterday's episode where yours truly appeared on to talk about what the Falcons could do with that pick. So Kevin, we're talking about the Falcons draft possibilities and and one that has come up quite a bit this past week has been the potential for the Falcons to trade back. You have people like Albert Breer and Adam Schefter, NFL insiders saying that the Falcons are open to moving back, exploring moving back. And that that creates big news headlines. Although that's not necessarily news because we've known that for three, four months now that the Falcons would certainly explore that. But I'm curious what do you sort of see as not only the probability that the Falcons can trade back? Because I've been pretty vocal saying that I feel like their best chance for trading back or, or getting a massive haul kind of went away once San Francisco um, traded up. And, and then you can add in the Sam Darnold move this week with the, the Panthers means that they may be out of the quarterback market, which means – uh, there will be a little bit less pressure for teams to try to significantly leapfrog them to get the four to get a quarterback and, and maybe they settle for seven. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on sort of the probability of this team being able to move back in the draft. Yeah, I still think it's very good just because I think there are still a lot of suitors. Um, but it, again, it really just depends on a variety of factors. The biggest one being, do the Falcons want the quarterback that's there for? Um, because I think if, they do, then there's not going to be a trade, obviously. Um, but it, it probably depends also on what the 49ers do. Like if they really do screw up and take Mac Jones, like that might make actually have the side effect of making the Falcons pick more valuable because teams were maybe expecting Justin Fields to be gone or Trey Lance to be gone at three. And if it's Mac Jones, they're like, oh, well, now we still have a chance to get the guy we want. Um, you could also make the case that like that makes the pick less valuable because they're like, oh, now there's two quarterbacks we actually want that are left, so we don't need to trade up, you know, to jump the Panthers or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, that the teams I would be on my short list would be like Detroit at seven. I think they're still interested. I don't think we would get a bounty from them, but that sort of small trade down could allow the Falcons to technically still be in the pit sweepstakes, um, but would give them the opportunity to still get one of the players they'd probably have their eye on at four in a smaller trade down um, Denver at nine is probably the most obvious one. Um, Falcons could still get premium 
picks in that trade down, but they don't have to move out of range of some of like the top defensive players. And then I think New England at 15 is another particularly likely one. Um, and that obviously would be a pretty massive haul. Um, you know, dark horses would be like Washington at 19, Chicago at 20, but those types of moves would kind of be like almost unprecedented in terms of the amount of compensation the Falcons would probably be asking for. So it seems unlikely, but possible. Um, so, I mean, if I had to put money on it, I'd say Denver at nine is the most likely one, but um, Patriots probably be second. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm pondering whether I, I will push you on that notion, but I'll, I'll just let it go. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, Let's talk about the possibility of the Falcons staying at four and taking a guy like Penny Sewell, Oregon offensive tackle. And it seems to be the debate centers around um, if the Falcons take a non-quarterback at that fourth overall slot, it's either Kyle Pitts or Penny Sewell. And you have, you know, I don't think the the Civil War battle lines are as stark and as bloody as they are when it comes to whether the Falcons should take a quarterback or not take a quarterback, at least in these social media spaces like Falcons Twitter. But it, it does seem like people are firmly tend to be on one side or the other when it comes to Penny Sewell versus Kyle Pitts. Um, clearly people know that I'm infamous, I guess, and maybe in some circles for being clearly on the Kyle Pitts side of, of, of that party bus. Um, but I know that you guys at the Falcoholic Live have been more on the Penny Sewell side I'm just curious, you know, for the listeners out there, so they get a well-rounded um, perspective on this. Sort of, what is the main case for why the Falcons should lean more Penny Sewell at that fourth overall slot uh, than, than necessarily a player like Kyle Pitts? Yeah, I mean, I full disclosure, like I probably have come more over to the Kyle Pitts side, like over time, um, just because I mean, like getting through all of this tape, you know, it's like wow, and then the testing kind of cemented him as this really unique tight end prospect. Um, so like I get the Pitts thing and I'm not going to argue against Pitts, but I think you could make the case for Sewell. Um, but I think it is a little bit more of like a, you're trying to fit a square peg in a round hole with Sewell because you obviously would take him with the thought of him playing tackle eventually. Um, but getting him at tackle as a rookie, it's going to be hard because you're either displacing Matthews or you're displacing McGarry. And, you know, people might say that McGarry is not that great. So you move Panay Sewell over, but you know, how, how well does he play on the right side? We don't really know, you know, he has played guard in the past. So, I mean, to me, you'd be playing him at guard this year, but that doesn't really solve your guard problem long-term because you're obviously hoping to move Sewell to tackle eventually. Um, But Sewell is just a really, really good player. So, if they're just trying to get the player they think is the best and they think Sewell is a better prospect than Pitts, it doesn't it wouldn't surprise me if they took him there. But I personally don't see how you could have Sewell over Pitts in terms of like pure BPA, just because the depth of the class is another thing too. Like tight end kind of falls off a cliff after Pitts, mostly because of how Pitts is as a prospect. You know, Pat Farmy, it's not a bad tight end at all. I mean, he'd probably be a first round pick in just about any class. But you know, with Pitts on the board, it's like, oh, well, generational talent. And and Sewell certainly could be a generational talent, too. But I think at offensive tackle, the depth is, like, way, way better. And I think also, you know, if you really just want to guard, you'd be better off trying to trade down to, like, 9 or 15 and pick up Elijah Vera Tucker, who I think is, you know, an elite guard, potentially. With Sewell, it's more of a projection. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, I think with Sewell, you're, you're thinking that the offensive line is a total priority. 
the Falcons want to really fix that part of the offense and they're just going to take the best offensive lineman they can and they think it's Sewell and they're just going to plug him in and they're going to work out their top five and figure the rest out later. So it, it sounds like you think drafting Sewell is more a, a statement of identity, right? Than necessarily yeah. this is the best fit, best pick, best player sort of thing, right? Yeah. What do you make of all the sort of recent talk and rumors that, you know, NFL teams aren't as high on Sewell as, uh, you know, I guess the rest of the world seems to be. And, and there are maturity concerns of that. What, what do you sort of read into that? I mean, I don't really put much stock in it. I mean, I, I wouldn't shock me because like we mentioned with Mac Jones before the show, you know, teams routinely make bad decisions. Um, and Rayshon Slater is a perfectly good offensive tackle prospect. Like he'd be OT1 in most classes, but like, I just, I personally don't see it over Sewell in terms of like overall projection. Slater, maybe you could say is like more pro ready now, especially if you want to guard because uh, Slater has more, you know, recent time at guard. But personally, yeah, I just... I, I couldn't, I wouldn't really think of taking Slater before Sewell. I mean, Sewell will be 20 in week one, 20 years old. Um, you know, he's not the most technically sound prospect, but like, I mean, he's, he's a special athlete. Um, I think he's a special offensive lineman. I think Rayshon Slater is a very good offensive lineman, but I don't think he has the sort of ceiling that Sewell has. So if you're picking in the top five, you know, I think that is more important than if you're picking at like 10. Yeah, I remember when Tyron Smith came out of USC and he was very young. He came out as like a redshirt sophomore. Uh, he was like 19, 20 when he came into the NFL. And I remember watching him and be like, yeah, he's got upside. He's got talent. He's got potential, uh, but he's not there yet. And, you know, I think Dallas had the vision of drafting him when he was still undeveloped and, and developing him into one of the best left tackles in the NFL and, and, and potentially a guy that could be a Hall of Famer. Um, and so I think... You know, when you when you, particularly when you focus on the youth aspect of Penny Sewell, I, I think that's an intriguing part of the the uh, evaluation in terms of where is he going to be five years from now versus where he is right now. Because I know I was certainly on the the Sewell bandwagon throughout the fall and in the winter, and then I after the season sat down and watched a little bit more, and I was like, I don't I don't know if this guy's the generational guy that people have hyped him up to be. Um, as this like all time great tackle. But then when I factor in sort of thinking back 10 years ago, so when Smith came out, I, I similarly thought the same thing. And so I, I do think there is some upside there for Sewell um, for where he's going to be five years from now, as opposed to what he's going to be, you know, today. So we'll, we'll see how that uh, turns out. And uh, we'll continue today's lockdown Falcons podcast uh, talking here with Kevin Knight of the Falcoholic um, and, and sort of get his thoughts on, sort of what the big picture narrative and, and assessment of what he wants to see from this Falcons 2021 draft class, in, including, you know, making uh, similar to what we we're talking about with Penny Sewell, maybe a, a possible identity uh, stamp on what type of team Arthur Smith and, and Terry Fontenot want to build. So we'll get into that coming up uh, later today on, on Lockdown Falcons. But before we get there, guys, I do want to plug the NBA side of the Lockdown Podcast Network as well, where you can find a daily podcast devoted to your favorite NBA team, including those resurgent Atlanta Hawks. Check out the Locked On Hawks podcast hosted by Brad Roland on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, you guys know that Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NFL and March Madness might be over, but the NBA. NHL, NASCAR, FCS college football, all in full swing. And of course, 
Major League Baseball is back, baby. And BetOnline isn't just for sports. even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV. Get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine because BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Just head over to the website. Use your mobile device today to sign up today at BetOnline.ag. Use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Again, sign up today at betonline.ag. Use the promo code locked on and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So before we wrap up today's episode with Kevin Knight of the Focaholic, I want to let you guys know that I'm sure you're well aware of that the NFL draft is only a few more weeks away uh, and it's time to Start subscribing to the two daily draft-related podcasts here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. The Draft Dudes Podcast watches every prospect so that you don't have to. And the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast is your daily draft news and mock draft podcast. Follow them both on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So, Kevin, I asked this question to Adnan yesterday. And I'm curious from your standpoint, when we sitting here Sunday, May 2nd, looking back at this Falcons draft class, you know, what's going to be sort of the narrative that comes out of that? Because, you know, we like narratives. We like to say, like, this is what the Falcons were trying to do, or this is what the Falcons weren't trying to do. And whether that narrative is, hey, the Falcons are firmly with their eye fixed on the future, potentially taking quarterback at the top and, and maybe some other players that are more 2023 and beyond type of picks, or maybe the Falcons go the opposite direction and say, look, we're committed to Matt Ryan. We're committed to Julio Jones. We're going to try to make the best of this over the next year or two and get this team back in the contention with some more immediate impact players. Uh, Whether it's the Falcons saying, look, you know, Penny Sewell, whoever we're solidifying the trenches. That's going to be a, a big identity play for us being more physical in the trenches and and sort of changing the identity of this team and and go away from being a finesse team, or maybe it's laying the foundation for the defense in terms of what Dean Pease is wanting to do. I'm throwing out many examples uh, so that you can, you know, offer up what you think, but what sort of would you like to see this Falcons in terms of a narrative and identity from this draft class? And what do you think ultimately they will do? Uh, if you can sort of put your prognostication hat on. Yeah. I mean, I think with Matt Ryan in the building, there's not necessarily going to be this total move to, to just be like, we're obviously rebuilding. Um, and I think that's a, a PR move as well as a philosophical one, but I do think that we're going to come away from this draft feeling like this is a new direction for the team. I think that is the, what they want to establish because I do think it's going to be a quarterback at four when the dust settles. Um, so there's no way you pick a quarterback at four without walking away. It doesn't matter what they do the rest of the draft at that point. It's about the future. Um, but I think, you, you know, they're also talking about, we need to get over the hump, right? We need to take this team to the next level. Um, we need to to get back in the playoffs and, and make this team competitive. So how do we do that? Um, so I think this draft class is going to have players that are future focused, but also designed to help them win like soon. Like this isn't a five year rebuild. This is like a two to three year rebuild. Like if they do take say Justin Fields or Trey Lance at four, I think, you know, they're probably hoping that Matt Ryan plays great this year, that the team is competitive and all that good stuff. And they're hoping to to be able to have an amicable breakup with Ryan so they can, you know, 
Ryan played great. He's going to have his pick of suitors. The Falcons think they can get like a first for him or, or a second or something high. And Ryan can hopefully choose the AFC contender of his choice to go to. It's an amicable split. Everyone's happy. You know, probably isn't going to work out that nicely. But in an ideal world, you know, we could we could say maybe that would be nice. Um, and then you've got your guy, Justin Fields or Trey Lance, ready to take over next year. And you're going to be, you know, still having a few years of a cheap rookie quarterback contract, obviously 2022, you know, if you're moving on from Ryan, still going to be an expensive quarterback year regardless. But, um, you know, if they do that, 2023 could be, you know, a ton of cap space an opportunity to really, if you're, if all goes well, you're going into 2023 with a ton of cap space, looking to add those last couple pieces to make this team what you want it to be. So I I'm thinking they're, they're going to take that quarterback of the future they're going to take some early contributors, but also guys that you're hoping that are going to be cornerstones for this, you know, two to three year run so that when you're hitting your stride in 2023, that these players that you drafted this year are going to be guys that are key components of that squad. You know, that second round pick is going to be key. I'm kind of leaning toward it being an offensive lineman, um, especially if they take a quarterback uh, the third round pick, that one's a total wild card because they could do like a million things with it. You know, edge, corner, safety, running back, who knows? Um, they have a bunch of day three picks, so we're going to be depending on some of those later guys to to pan out. But um, I do think it's a future-focused draft, but I don't think it's like a five-year rebuild. I think it's more like a short-term retooling, and the team's going to look a lot different, but um, they're still hoping to be competitive in the near term. Now, Kevin, I'm a, I'm a little confused because you were talking about the Falcons taking players in round two and three. Like, those rounds don't those, exist. They don't exist, yes. <laughs> I've only ever seen mock drafts that go to 32, so that's where the draft ends, right? Yeah. <laughs> I do love it. I do love it. Um, Kevin, man, I, I really do appreciate you coming on and sharing your insights. We'll have to do it again, if not before the draft, again, to sort of see what changes uh, over the next two weeks. Um, but certainly thereafter the draft uh, sometime in May uh, to sort of see, you know, what actually came to fruition as the Falcons delivered on some of these expectations or do what they always do. And, you know, zig when we expect them to zag. So um, it's going to be an interesting, you know, month ahead of us in terms of what the Falcons are going to do. Adnan talked about on yesterday that it's the most excited It's been since 2014. I thought it was odd. I didn't want to call him out on it. I thought it was odd that he missed, did not mention 2015 when there was a lot of excitement and the Falcons wound up, you know, taking Vic Beasley, which I know we don't look back with necessarily positive feelings now in 2021, but you know, there was a lot of, you know, hope and optimism for that new regime when they came out of that draft. But I, I think I understand why you don't necessarily want to mention the last time the Falcons <laughs> had a top 10 pick, uh, yeah. given that it didn't necessarily work out. But uh, sorry for sullying the mood here at the end of the podcast. But, uh, <laughs> Kevin, go ahead and, and plug whatever you want to plug. Yeah, so I am on Twitter at Falcoholic Kevin. Uh, the show is The Falcoholic Live. It's on Twitter at Falcoholic Live, also on YouTube. Uh, you can search for The Falcoholic there. Yeah, that's eight uh, Wednesdays at eight ten p.m. Eastern is when we we go live. Uh, this week we're having uh, Brett Jukes, who is the executive vice president of the Blank Family of Businesses. He's going to be on to talk about his involvement with the Falcons and a lot of other interesting topics. So check that out. Uh, that should be up Wednesday night. Okay, there you guys have it. 
Check out Kevin on Twitter at Falcoholic Kevin. And of course, any written content he has over at thefalcoholic.com as well. Kevin, again, really appreciate you joining me on today's episode and, and look forward to our future conversations. Absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully it won't be Mac Jones at four because then I'll have to come on immediately so we can just have dead air for 45 minutes. Yeah. Uh, look, <laughs> I, I, I joke about this constantly, but my, my favorite thing is night one of the draft, seeing you guys do the live show and pretty consistently over these last four or five years that you guys have been doing it, whenever the Falcons make a pick, just sort of the s- somewhat shocked silence that is like, yeah. well, yeah. Okay, I get it. You know, like, like, I'm already drinking the co- the Kool Aid. You know, the copium is coming in strong within like 15 seconds of the pick being announced. So. My favorite, my favorite immediate reaction was the Tack McKinley pick because I yeah I think that, that one was legendary. Yeah, that one was probably the best of just complete curveball for the Falcons uh, at that time, and just no one really seeing that one coming at all but yeah. uh i think eric was like the only guy that had really like even watched much tech mckinley so i was like i don't even know who this guy is <laughs> <laughs> man kevin i again appreciate it man and look forward to the future ones and, and definitely looking forward to y'all's live reaction uh thursday night in a couple of weeks yeah yeah hopefully it won't be too shocked you know it'll be just the right amount for uh, good for good viewing but uh, yeah <laughs> I feel like the odds are in your favor that you'll see this one coming, but we'll see. We'll see. You can never yeah. know with the Falcons. Right. I'll, be, I'll have done like nine mock drafts by the time this gets over with. So, you know, hopefully I'll have predicted just about every eventuality. But, you know, usually it's whoever I'd mock in the second is who they take. So uh, hopefully not this year, considering we pick fourth. Yeah. <laughs> Landon Dickinson, number four overall. Yeah, that would be great. It would be spicy. It would be <laughs> spicy. All right. There you go. All right, Kevin. Appreciate it. All right, man. Have a good day. You too. All right, guys. There you have it. Kevin Knight, Falcolic. And tomorrow we are going to start the quarterback conversation with, or not start, but continue the quarterback conversation that we started earlier this offseason with Mark Schofield. It's been a while since we had Mark on. Uh, thought there was a chance we'd get him back on in February or March, but that was not the case. And we'll get Mark's thoughts on the quarterbacks. And I think probably tomorrow's episode will focus on those first three guys off the board. And, you know, that's a little bit way of to get you guys teased for part two of that. When we'll get Mark's thoughts on probably Justin Fields and, and Trey Lance next week. Um, but don't want to miss it. Uh, tomorrow's episode, even if it isn't necessarily focused on the, on the three guys that uh, in Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence and um, Mac Jones, that um, most people, aren't necessarily projecting to the Falcons. And so just want to, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm doing a bad job teasing that episode, but yeah, definitely check out tomorrow's episode where we'll be talking about the top quarterbacks and that will be part one of two. And we'll probably do part two on Tuesday because you know, we got to do mock draft Monday on Monday, but um, there you guys have it. If you have any feedback that you want to provide to me, on anything I said on today's episode, anything Kevin said on today's episode, anything I've said on previous episodes or anything you want me to cover on future episodes, of course, you can hit me up on Twitter at Lockdown Falcons, on Facebook at Lockdown Falcons, or you can send an email to LockdownFalcons at mail.com.